Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and we meet Alexandra McGrorty, the co-founder of McGrorty & Company Consulting and the lead human resources consultant. Alex is also an author, and her new book is Bridging the Gap, Reducing Gender Bias in the Workplace. According to the U.S. Census, in 1973, the Senate and House of Representatives designated August 26th Women's Equality Day. Because August 26, 1920, was the day women were finally given the right to vote. Alexander tells us that while we have come a long way in these past 100 years, we still have a long way to go. And so let's meet Alex to learn some important elements for our growth. Alexander McGrorty, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Oh, thank you. Good morning. And this is really such a critical, important topic for at least half the population, for sure. And it should be for 100% of the population. And that is, (laughs) right, equity for women in the workplace. Absolutely. Just equity in general uh, for women and, and for all of us to have that sense that this is where we should be. If not long ago, 102 years ago, when women first got the right, the privilege to vote, certainly yeah. we should have been there a long time ago. Agreed. I agree more. <laughs> and so that, though then is what your work is about and also weaves so perfectly through your new book, Bridging the Gap, Reducing Gender Bias in the Workplace. So this all stems right from a a very personal place. It really does. Um, And so I had the privilege and the honor of becoming a vice president of HR in a global firm before the age of 30. And so After the excitement wore off, um, I found myself in a place of what I call imposter syndrome. And so interviewing for the job I already had on a daily basis um, and at a table with primarily older white men and just felt out of place, felt like they were going to see me for the imposter that I was. And one day they were going to figure out I wasn't meant to be here. And so really had to take a step back. And understand why was I thinking that way? I obviously was in the role for a reason. I knew my stuff. I loved my people um, and wanted to make sure I shared my personal journey with others. I think it's a huge topic right now. Um, It's at the forefront, especially from a social perspective and really excited to be here to talk about it today. And that, that is so great that we have this conversation because Talking about that term, imposter syndrome, for you, for any of us, does it come because we are feeling something within us, or is there are there messages, real subliminal messages coming at us from those around us, which often, as you said, are older white men around the table? Yeah. Is is it coming then from them? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think in my case, I didn't see anyone on the leadership team that looked like me, that was in my generation, that was female. Um, And so I automatically felt excluded from the group. And I put that on myself. Um, I will say my colleagues were fantastic. They were all qualified to be in their role. Um, And so a lot of that was put on myself by myself. Um, But it was a product of seeing a group of individuals that had varying viewpoints than me, that didn't look like me or talk like me. And so I think as we strive for diversity, diversity of thought, 
and different viewpoints, um, having that equity at not just the gender level, but the ethnic level will really start to drive our teams further. So that is good to put it in perspective of where it sits on our shoulders. But I think you're right. It it is such a challenge when you are the solo person, whether it be by color, whether it be by age. And, And you certainly were very young, but... Obviously, if you were in this role, you were very capable and you are a very intelligent woman. Yeah. And, you know, it took me having to hear that from other people for me to believe it. And that's so anti what I preach, right? Like you're in your role for a reason. Don't interview for the job that you have. Be confident in yourself. But it was impacting me as I preached that to other people, as I started to talk and coach other individuals within my organization and outside of my organization on that. So it was really a learning moment for myself um, and taking a step back and saying, wow, look at what I'm sharing with other individuals. I'm talking the talk, but I'm not living it. And so I really need to be comfortable in the role that I am and understand that I'm there for a reason and I have the knowledge and I can speak to it, especially when you're around the table and you're hearing People say the things that you're thinking that you may not be bringing up for fear of rejection or for fear of finally hearing up. What is she doing here? Uh, So it really was a moment where I had to pause and reflect and find confidence in the fact that I was there for a reason. And so... Of course, the change takes some time. It's different for all of us. But getting to the realization, was it still a daily process for a short period, a long period of time? What was it? Yeah, so I would say I'm in a different role now. I have my own consulting firm, and I still find myself um, up against that, what is she doing here? Is she really the expert in the field that we need? That, That voice inside of my head, and I have to shut it off. And so it's a continuous learning journey for myself. When I hear it creeping up, I remind myself of the things that I know and that I do I touch base with my mentors in the field that I really draw strength from and and can go to them with issues that I'm facing and see how they've faced them before and how they've moved forward. And so it's drawing on your network. You don't have to go through it alone, for sure. Uh, And I think that's so important on the equity journey that you don't go through it alone, that you do draw on a network, that you're a part of a network, and that you have mentors and people that you trust that you can have conversations with. And I'm also glad that you're mentioning, along with that, that there is that voice in your head, in our head, mm-hmm. this yep. voice that's saying these things to us. And and we have to understand that this, this is like an alter ego. It's a part of us, yeah. and we can answer it, and we're not crazy when we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so sometimes my voice says, don't go to that meeting. You don't feel good. You can any any excuse possible to get out of doing something that feels uncomfortable, but you have to push through it. You grow through the experiences that you go through. Um, it, it's called experience. You're able to bring it with you and tackle things differently based on what you've gone through. Um, I even faced it today, to be quite honest with you. I was in a meeting with a client that I was stressing about. It was the head of HR for an organization and I couldn't believe that I was going to have a conversation with this individual until I took a step back and said, I was prepared. I know my material. 
Um, it should be a really positive experience, and it was. But for the better half of the morning, I made it so anxiety-ridden um, that I got into the conversation, and I really had to check myself and say, you know, you've got this, you're here for a reason, and move forward. Right. And with your saying that to us right now and your voice throughout your book, Bridging the Gap, uh, shows us that here you as this accomplished, very strong leader, a woman, are doing this and experiencing this, that we may go through these things and just keep talking ourselves through it. Uh, Do you think that we get to a point where it's just natural and we just... It's not even a consideration? I think it's always a growth process. I think some people can do it better and sooner than others, right? We're all individuals, and so we experience it in a different way, and we bring our own experiences with us in a different way. And so where I could say maybe 75% of the time I used to experience it, now maybe it's 30% of the time. And so for me, that's growth. Um, but I'm still early in my career journey, hopefully. Um, and so I'll continue to work on that, I know, throughout throughout the experiences that I go through. And there is a part of it where, you know, our our life needs to be about continual learning and growth. So there will be that part of it, but it just won't be perhaps as dominating a voice in our head. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, so this is really so important to recognize and realize uh, whatever level we might be in an organization. And I mean, at a young age, you're this HR director, which is such a feat. And now as the leader in your own company and a consultant, so you're at this... well, we would think of, uh, you know, really kind of at the top of the mountain, but any of us, regardless of our role, can learn from this and use it wherever we're at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's portions of the book that we talk about, how do you combat that imposter syndrome? Or how are you an ally for women in the workforce? Or as a woman in the workforce, what can you do um, to further your career and balance that equity that you're seeing? Uh, And so I think there's opportunities, no matter who you are or where you're on the equity journey, to learn uh, from the book. And I'm really excited to be able to talk through that um, because it's a personal journey for me. I, I talk a little bit about my personal story, not just at work, um, but at home with my family. And I talk through individuals that made a huge impact on my career and their journey. And so it's really exciting to see the different perspectives. Exactly. So this is where we can get that coaching uh, one-on-one in that way by simply picking up the book. So let's mention that. It is so readily available, um, um, I don't, not sure through your website, but certainly by going to Amazon. Yes, correct. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle as well as on hardback and paper book. Um, and you can also access it through our website, which is mcgandcompanyconsulting.com. Great. And that will be on our website as well for easy reference. Uh, and we'll mention the, that website again, as well as the book, uh, as we continue in our conversation. It's, so having mentors and having a network so key to have people on what we will call our team. But do we find or have you found, Alex, in this journey that sometimes women might not be our best allies? Can they sometimes be a nemesis? 
I can. And I take it back to the individual experience. I always think as women, one of the most important goals in my mind is uplifting other women. Um, but I think in certain areas of business and certain organizations, we're almost pit against one another for goals, for recognition, and it's a shame because they really should be taking the time to lift one another up. And so my goal, um, especially because I have a young daughter, is to show her the importance of lifting others up, right? We do great when other people do great, um, just as much as we do great when we do great. And so it's really important, I think, for equity and driving equity forward within not just work, but overall. Um, to recognize other women that are doing fantastic things in business and society. And uh, you also have a young son. So I do. <laughs> and, and is he learning, too, about having this equity and recognizing? Oh, boy, yes, he is. Um, so I will, I will never let him forget. No, I forget an experience he had a couple years ago when we were in the car. Um, and his sister was saying that she wanted to do a certain job when she was older. And he said, well, you can't do that because you're a girl. Um, and he was maybe three or four at the time. We pulled right off the road and we had a long <laughs> conversation on how she could do anything she wanted, just like he could do anything he wanted, um, and how we supported one another in our household and out in society. And I had this three-year-old looking at me like I was crazy. Um, but it starts young in our household, and I'm hopeful that he'll take that forward with him. No doubt. It's it's that very important seed that's been planted, and yes. it, it's it's just there that whether he's conscious of it or not, it's it's really going to impact his life, but also his yeah. sister's life because you yeah. then were really um, her cheerleader and saying what she could do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think it does start young, right? Um, we are very mindful of the way that we speak to one another in our household and we speak about things and we're always going to make mistakes or we're going to say things that have bias um, just because that's the way that we've grown up and we've experienced certain things. So being able to recognize that and talk about that is key. Um, I think it's not about catching someone in something, whether it's at home or in business. It's about trying to understand their perspective and talking about things and making sure it makes sense for the organization and that it's fair and respectful. And so I always on this quest for diversity, equity, inclusion, talk to my clients and those that I coach about trying to understand diversity of thought. Um, we don't all have to agree, nor are we all going to agree, but how can we understand each other and approach situations in a way where we're respectful and fair? Um, and so that's really what I try to take forward as well. That is so critically important, having those conversations and Understanding that we we don't have to agree on everything because we've had different experiences, but being mm -hmm. able to respect that people do have different viewpoints and that a, a little of that, you know, like making a, a good recipe, you take a little of that and a little of the other and, and see what other greater good, greater item you can make out of it. Exactly. So that's happening in your household, and then you're sharing it in your workplace. And, of course, as a consulting firm, you have an opportunity to reach so many other companies and help them to understand and, and grow. And obviously, if they're reaching out to you, they're open and wanting to do that, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing such an uptake in businesses and organizations that really want to focus on their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. 
um, across the board, and that can be gender-based, ethnic-based, and, and diversity of thought, and there's so many other modalities of diversity that we don't necessarily always think of when we think of DEI because ethnicity and gender is generally at the top of the list, but there's such complexities when you think of DEI, and I'm so excited to see that businesses are really starting to take that seriously and think about the experiences of individuals that are going to come to work for them or that already work for them and how they can make that a more equitable workforce. Now, thinking about what this last two to three years, the time of COVID was like, yeah. d- what impact have you found that had and has it has it benefited us? Yeah, so I would say... The benefit um, that I can see is there's a lot more organizations that are open to hybrid or remote work, right? Where once you had to be in an office nine to five or on the front line, there's a lot of positions that now can be done remotely or in a hybrid setting that allows for um, an integration of work and life. Where I will say that that sometimes dings us as women is now you're at home potentially doing schooling, doing work around the house, trying to do your job. You're never fully one thing or another. You're all of the things that happen to you at the same time. And so we definitely saw that during COVID where you needed to either be a caregiver for potentially um, a child who needed to also do virtual school, multiple children, or caretake um, for a parent or um, an elderly relative. And so there was such a overnight change in what we were expected to do gone was our nine to five persona. And now it was all these things wrapped in at once. Um, And so there was a lot of burnout and overload. And we saw women exiting the workforce for a period of time just to deal with remote school or caretaking responsibilities. And so I think we're starting to see that shift back and individuals re-enter the workforce. But for a period of time, it was a lot to balance all at once. And that's not to say that our male counterparts didn't do, um, uh, didn't balance the workload. I will say I was blessed. My husband um, was right there from day one, helping with virtual school um, as well as things around the house. But not everybody had that benefit, and so we started to see individuals that had to leave the workforce just to deal with what was going on at home. Yes, so there we did see inequities uh, yeah. enter in, and and trying to juggle all that and and particularly if someone was a single parent household then it just was an additional burden Uh, but so now we have this opportunity to to have hybrid models and I I guess it's still going to take some conversation because not everyone is seeing that they still want to like I think in terms of here in in uh, the greater Seattle area they're they're saying no we want everybody back downtown we need to revitalize again so there still is that mindset yeah and I will say we've seen that around a lot of the major cities I know in New York um, the mayor was very vocal that we needed folks back in the office to revitalize um, a lot of the um, restaurants and hospitality industry. Um, I think it's a balance. I think it's going to continue to be a balance. I know overwhelmingly there has been a love of remote and hybrid work because you have the flexibility to integrate your work into your life. And, hey, I can take 15 minutes here or 10 minutes here to do an errand that I would have had to do after 5 o'clock, and now I have some free time in the evening. Um, but I think with that also brings the fact that you can always be on 
too, right? You're at home. You don't have to commute. And so your computer can be on earlier or later. And so where does that line drawn mm-hmm. around having your work persona and then having your home persona? Yes. Having to really determine what those boundaries are. Yeah. And uh, so on the one hand, that flexibility is great. On the other, it could be our enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes. So, so again, it would be a matter of hopefully good conversations can just take place within the company of how to make it, well, it would be equitable for for yeah. everyone, however that might look. To, the conversation, we come back to that, being able to really have a dialogue and listen. Absolutely. It's all about talking, I think. And then putting strategies in place and really driving them forward. I, I know... It's really great to have a conversation about it, but you have to do something about it too, right? And so the first step is to recognize it and have awareness around it. And then the second step is really to have actionable items around the issue that you're facing, be that equity, be that the remote workforce or the hybrid workforce, and how do you balance that with folks that need to be on the front line or or in a role day to day. Um, And so it's really about, one, having awareness as a first step, and I think that's what we've seen over the past several years. But now we're in a space where now we have to action on it, right? We're aware of issues that are occurring, but what actions are we taking to rectify them? Right. Yes. Uh, Important step right there is to uh, really outline that. And maybe if we see that there's a lot of talk going on, but nothing happening, be brave enough or feel strong and empowered enough to outline some steps like, okay, we're talking about this, but you know, what are we doing? If you don't have any, right? Yep. And I've worked in organizations where there was a very clear line of communication, right? If you were on the front line, you didn't talk to someone past the director level. And I've also worked in organizations where no matter what position you had in the company, you had a clear line of communication into the CEO. And I think we're really trending towards that direction where there needs to be open dialogue no matter what level you are of an organization because everyone is there for a reason and everyone brings diversity of thought and thinking. Um, And that's what makes our organizations great. Yes, because otherwise there can be that feeling of being the imposter, having the imposter syndrome, because yes, I love that point that we need to realize each of us is an important piece of, I look at it as a puzzle. And yeah, yeah, we all make up this whole big picture. Absolutely. So another aspect of this, of course, is pay for women and making that more equitable. So yes, there may be a few places that it happens, but I think even at the higher executive levels, uh, invariably women do make less than their male counterparts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would say at the executive level, you have the transparency of external reporting, right, where you can see what a female executive may make versus her male counterparts in what I call the middle management or our frontline employees, you don't necessarily have that benefit. And so if I'm talking about myself as a colleague, I may have to rely on conversations that I'm having with colleagues. And historically, that's been a no-no, right? We don't talk about compensation in the workforce. That's a conversation for you and your manager or you and a member of HR, um, even though it's fully within your right to have a conversation about compensation. And so it's a hard area to tackle. It takes 
individuals within the organization doing full pay assessments to understand where people are mapped based on their job profiles and how individual um, responsibilities differ or are the same and what does that look like based on your gender and your experience and if you were external versus internal. And so it takes a lot of work on the HR team and the executive team to be able to put together solid recommendations. And so that's not an overnight change. We have a lot of work to do. Um, but it, it is quite a process to be able to do. And I think it's a really important process. Um, one of the things I really like when you work with a global company is there is a pay gap report in the UK that we had to publish on a yearly basis. And so that said, for Every female that works in this position, here's what it looks like versus a male that works in this position, and here's where the compensation differs. And so we're not quite there yet in the U.S. just yet, um, but it was eye-opening to be able to see that data and see what are you doing to make it a more equitable workforce for females. Um, and so I, my hope is one day we may be there, um, but it takes a lot of work on the business end and something that's really worth starting. And having the conversations and really taking the steps, constantly pushing toward this, forward with this, uh, in order to make sure it never just drops off the radar. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being your own advocate, if you're starting a new role or you feel like you should be making more in your role uh, and you have data points to back that up, have a conversation with your manager. I've done it. Um, I've gone to my manager and said, here's what I make, here's what I've done for the organization, um, and I feel like a compensation discussion is warranted. And so it takes a lot to be able to have those conversations. I'm not discounting that at all. Um, and you may not be in a space to be able to have that conversation, but I always recommend if you are and if it's, if it's worth it, definitely think about having that type of conversation. And certainly we may feel more empowered by educating ourselves, picking yeah. up a copy of this book, Bridging the Gap, Reducing Gender Bias in the Workplace. Because here in sharing your story and sharing your work with us, Alex, we can see how that relates to us personally. And and that, you know, just repetition of that, it, it won't necessarily happen instantaneously. Uh, right. Maybe it does, but repetition will help us to uh, feel more empowered. Absolutely. And I really wrote the book for anyone to be able to pick it up. It wasn't meant to be an HR book or a business book. It's meant for anybody that's interested in learning more about equity um, at home or equity in the workforce to be able to pick it up and read and, and potentially take a few things away with them. So with all that we have touched upon, and we, of course, could go into much greater depth on everything, where else do you feel that we are still needing to uh, give a focus to in our lives and, and in our world for, for women to have and for, gen, uh, for diversity equity to be uh, recognized? Yeah, so I think... Um Notwithstanding, there's a lot of political issues right now, depending on where you lean, right? And so we're seeing it a lot in society come up. And, and from a workplace perspective, being aware that there may be some needs based on what's going on in society, being having uh, an employee assistance program available or mental health resources available um, is huge at this point in time, being cognizant that 
we don't get to check our personal lives at the door, right? When we come to work, especially if we're working in a hybrid or remote setting. And so it's really understanding this new way of working as we hopefully are moving out of a pandemic or on the back end of a pandemic, living with COVID and living in this new way of working. So we need to learn, educate ourselves, and feel empowered. I I really like how early on you mentioned we need to have mentors in our life and create a network of support, right? Yes. Yes. It can't be done alone. Um, We're better when we work together. Um, And that's not just from a woman's standpoint, but um, just overarching and, and start to move the needle on the equity piece. Exactly. So it's there for us. You know, no one's going to do it for us. I think we have to feel that passion ourselves and uh, surround ourselves with uh, individuals who are of similar thinking, but, you know, will challenge us as well. Absolutely. Right. So pick up a copy of the book, Bridging the Gap. And also let's mention your website once again, Alex. Sure. It's M. CGandCompanyConsulting.com. And there, there's a wealth of information, including some blogs, which, of course, also I feel can uh, be very educational, uh, depending, uh, you know, on what we're listening to at whatever's going on in our life at that time. So, lots to learn, and uh, I, I think, I think it's hopeful. Would you say? I am. I, I am starting to see a change that I haven't seen in years past, and so I am hopeful for our journey on gender equity. Well, let's uh, move forward in that hope together. And I just want to say I appreciate you so greatly, Alex, uh, Alexandra McGrorty, for doing the work that you're doing and taking time with us this morning to provide us with some important insights. Absolutely. Thank you. You're so welcome. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Alexander McGorty and Sunday Morning Magazine with Beverly and Derek Joubert. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated, at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast. It's on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. And I wish you and your family a day of good interactions about life, growth, and nature. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.